0: Welcome to the D-Printer Movies Podcast, my name is Stephen T. Hanley, I'm the founder and lead curator of D-Printer Movies, we are a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast I am joined by director and well feature film director and music video director Grant Singer. Grant has been making incredible music videos for so many years. He's worked with Sky Ferraria on all her early music videos. We'll talk about that. He made a beautiful video for Slow Dive, the Shoegaze Legends, which where me and Grant are both stands for. The Weekend. He did a bunch of bows. And now he's made his first feature. It's called Reptile, it's an epic crime drama, it's a bit James Elroy kind of noir, it's got that big widescreen Dark Michael Mann scope, and the cast is ridiculous. It's got Benicio Del Toro as the lead, Alicia Silverstone, Justin Timberlake, Eric Bogosian, the GOAT. Sky Ferraria is in it, Michael Pitt, Michael Pitt is back, Michael is in it. Dominic Lombardozzi from, you know him from The Wire, Carl Glusman you may know from Love the Gaspar Noe film, anyway, great ensemble cast, Grant and I spoke for an hour and These are my favorite type of pods. I've said this before. When it's just a long conversation, two people getting to know each other, talking movies, music, and life. And Grant and I had a lot in common. We share a lot of the same taste in music and cinema. So I really had a good time. And I'm super stoked that Reptile is number one in america and i think it's number one or two in the uk and it always gives me hope when everyone's talking about the death of cinema and all that tragic shit that a great movie from a new director with a real voice and vision and it's a heavy film i'm glad things like that can still break through so go watch reptile and here is me and grant singer buddy how are you who's Harold field is that your real name
1: oh, that's my <laughs> that's my uh my zoom alias
0: okay what's the what's the story behind that is there any story there or is that just
1: yeah yeah it's kind of like an inside thing i, right. I love i love uh harold Bud, and i yeah. love todd field
0: okay that's an interesting combo
1: so yeah
0: we had todd field on the pod he was fascinating
1: oh god i love him
0: and I and I completely ignored the PA was in the chat like wrap it up and I'm like he's fucking giving me gold about Kubrick I'm just going to fucking air oh, you out it, yeah I'm never a dick to publicists I kind of respect the the junket but this was just too good man he was talking oh, yeah. about deep de- like I was talking about Kubrick and why he, he's giving me his own theories of why he does so many takes and what, what he's exploring and he's got like a photographic memory for all the locations and shoots and lenses and stuff. I couldn't pass it up, so.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's great.
0: So let's start at the beginning. What kind of teenager were you? What kind of movies and music were you into?
1: When I was young, well, always been into Kubrick, Scorsese, David Lynch, um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, those are probably like, my biggest influences, especially when I was younger, um, music, you know, I grew up really, um, oh my God, let's from, I love the blood brothers in high school. Do you know that band, the blood of brothers? Of course,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I saw them live. I was, I got beat up in the pit. It was,
1: those, exactly. the shows are
0: fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. Those were great. I, in high school, I used to love the blood brothers, primus, all that stuff. I was actually into experimental music. So like, as well, like I remember in high school, I loved John Cage and, and i played bass and 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 i was really into jaco pastorius and charlie mingus and um always had i get i guess a very varied um taste in music um yeah i mean stones i liked it all how about you um i had a cool older
0: brother so i got into when i was about 13 that's when grunge hit, so i Oh, yeah. Got straight into what well, I would like the whole shoegaze thing, the whole oh, yeah. UK shoe gaze thing from him, like slow dive and ride, and then Nirvana, and then you go to Nirvana, you go to Sonic Youth and Oh yeah. Um Henry Rollins was a really big he was a. I I I bought his get in the van, so I got the whole hardcore history from that and just kind of jumped off from there. But I always tell people that my brother was great tasting music like grunge shoegaze all that type of stuff like john carpenter soundtracks he really got me into yeah. so so i was discovering lots of weird soundtracks
1: it's funny you say that so slow dive also one of my favorite bands sonic youth nine inch nails those were all um huge influences of mine and then crazy moment in my life was a few years ago i got hit up to do a video for slow dive which was like a dream come true because mm-hmm. they were one of my favorite bands growing up. And uh, that was, that was a real sort of um, full circle moment for me to, to work with them. And they, they were just, just the most beautiful, amazing people ever. Um, but yeah, it seems like we have a, we, you know, I don't know how old you are, but it seems like we have very similar tastes in music and kind of similar generation.
0: Yeah. I'm 43. So yeah, I grew up in just the right, the right spot for yeah. everything to wash over me. But yeah. yeah, I'm so stoked with Slow Dive's comeback. It's so oh fucking God. strong. I, they're killing it. I know. It. I was... Um, they could have totally just played the hits, but they're doing different things, and it just sounds... It sounds like it's, it. sounds like them. just like if they continued after Pygmalion or whatever. It kind of just... Just where they left off, but they're still kind of evolving, but sounding like them. if you know what I mean.
1: Well, their music is just so unbelievably breathtaking. Like, there are certain artists you know, everyone has favorite musicians or yeah. artists, but their music holds like a very special place for me. I have um like, there are certain songs like Ruti. One of that, one of their songs is um I associate with a very specific moment in my mm. life Um, when I was living in New York. And I, it's like, it takes me back to a very particular place. And this new album, like I love that Andalusia song. Oh my yeah. God, it's so good. And, and prayer remembered. I think that's the title. I was actually just on the freeway. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I was just on the freeway uh, coming back from San Diego on like a midnight at Friday night, one night, like maybe a week or so ago. And bumper to bumper traffic, like it must have been a massive car accident in front of me. The freeway shut down, turn my engine off, and I'm playing the new slow dive album. I'm basically in a parking lot at midnight. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to have to sleep on the freeway at this point because it's completely shut down. And I'm in the way left lane and cars are going like 100 miles per hour in the other direction. And because my car is shut down, the vibrations from the speeding cars is shaking my car, playing this like beautifully – like. Uh, hypnotic slow dive music. It was one of the most surreal experiences, especially that was, it was actually the first time I heard the new album. I think it came out nice, that day. Nice, yeah. <laughs> but uh anyways, it made me think of that experience. But yeah, I'm so happy for them and they're great people. And then my good friend, Andrew from Drab Majesty just told me he's opening for them on this tour. So I'm going to see them in a couple weeks when they play LA.
0: Oh, those guys are sick. I love that those guys last record. They're like... Oh, Drab Drab's great. In yeah. fact,
1: I see them... I was in London for a job a few years ago, and and we went to some wherever where were they played in London. We we saw them there, and it was they're they're just the greatest. I love them.
0: Yeah, what's that track? What's the one with the the emptiness, the emptiness? Do you know that track?
1: Oh, hold on, me look. Hold on, let me grab it. I just here. I'll tell you. Just look at my phone. Is it? Is it? Um, hold on. I think it's this one. Noise of the Void? Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, that track's spectacular. Oh, that's incredible.
1: So my favorite is... My favorite song, maybe in the last 10 years, is Not Just a Name.
0: Whoa.
1: That's track four from the previous album. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. They're they're great. They're really good.
0: That's so funny you said about being on the freeway. I got hit up to do this. There's these guys in New York called Dream Baby Press, and they do this... um, these kind of cool book readings, and they do a thing on Instagram where you write ten loves and ten hates, and the for the one of the ones I put on love was literally after I do a screening, like if I get in the Uber about eleven p.m., just putting on like an ambient record and just looking out the window, driving home. It sounds so cheesy, but it's just so cathartic. And
1: I know what you mean, and and it's funny because well, here's my question: is it um, specific to leaving? A film or is it
0: just kind of like 11 p kind of anything when is that kind of a little bit melancholic kind of 11 to 1 a.m leaving a party or a screening and just to kind of like putting on like an eno or harold budd or taylor dupree is one of my go-to guys for i mean anything or anything like cranky records like stars of lid and shit like that and just kind of it's just so far a puke. Just kind of clear my brain. No, no vocals, no voices and just yeah. drift away. So good.
1: So here's my, so by the way, there's this band from On Cranky. You just made me think about them that I haven't heard of in a long time. Um, I used to listen to them all the time. They're from New Orleans. Uh, Belong. Do you know that band Belong? Oh, hell
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm friends with Joshua Eustis from Telephone Tel Aviv, Uh whose highest recommendation, if you haven't heard of him. And he did my pod music as well for the show, but he plays in Second Woman with the guy from Belong.
1: Oh, wow. I've never heard of Second Woman. i got to check them out. Second Uh, Woman,
0: uh, uh, almost like just real deep kind of Ortega, almost impenetrable kind of crazy IDM, but. Yeah, really spectacular. But yeah, it's him and Belong.
1: Belong, that record, what was it, 2012, 2011, whenever that...
0: Was that October Language? Is that the one I'm thinking of?
1: It's... uh Here, I'll... I'll let me just look. This is the... out. This song's that I love. From, it's called Common Era. That oh. song, A Walk, Perfect Life, Make Me Return, Never Came Close. Yeah, I love that record. It says 2011.
0: Yeah, oh that, that, he's great.
1: Yeah. They're good. Uh, But it makes, but going back to what you said about leaving a movie. So there was this theater here called the Arclight. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best theater. I love those guys.
0: They only do like one trailer, right? No bullshit. No ads where everything's like one trailer. Yeah, it's
1: it's like, I I don't remember how maybe three trailers, but yeah, it's not too, it's no longer than 10 minutes of trailers. In fact, and um, one of my favorite things to do in the last however many years was just, go to a matinee or even a late night, you know, it was kind of like, especially during the week, it wasn't crowded, watch a movie. And I have so many amazing experiences, like uh, memories. Like I'll never forget when I saw Killing the Sacred Deer there, like, and not an empty theater, but you mm. know, it wasn't packed. And then you leave and it's just quiet and you get in your car and you just put on music and you just sit with the film. But yeah, yeah you to listen to that. That makes you feel like what it's almost like a, Continuation of the, of the cinematic experience of the film. Yeah, absolutely. And I find film to be very meditative, and it almost is like a religion to me. It's like going to church or something where you leave and you 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 you're a changed person, right? Mm-hmm. I have so many experiences of leaving the arc, like getting in my car, driving home, and it it almost like it 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 frames the experience of the film, um in such an amazing way. And uh, unfortunately the arc light like closed during COVID. And I really hope it opens again because it was just such a, a, an amazing place for, to see movies and to have like an experience that's not like, because when you go now to the AMC or other theaters, it's just like, it's like going to Coachella. It's like, there's just yes. so many people and it's, it's, it, it it's like a counterpoint to like what it is that you're seeing. Like a movie is like, can be a very holistic spiritual experience and then you walk in the in the main area and it's just way too many people and it's almost overwhelmingly um like it's just very overwhelming from what you just you know
0: yeah it's funny as a film programmer everyone's always talking to me about the communal experience of watching a film together And a part of me loves it for certain movies, but there's a Larry David in me. He's like, man, I like fucking five people in the cinema. I like me. and just Four other old guys in the very, you know, fucking rows and rows between us, big personal space and just like get my Coke and popcorn and just have some very quiet time.
1: Watching a movie can be a very personal experience. Like certain films, especially if a film is very moving, it's like, it it can be incredibly vulnerable to watch the film and if if you're if you're emotionally moved and it it i think this the experience watching it can be heightened by not having many people around because it's like there's nothing inhibiting um whatever connection or reaction you're having to what you're seeing it can yeah be- it
0: feels personal almost like you don't want to share the experience of other people or almost like when you like a band when they're small and not many people are into it almost on the the cinematic version of that where you're just having this special private experience there
1: well it's funny yeah and and because i remember watching the square you know the ruben austin movie um at the ArcLight light when it came out and i was obsessed with that movie yeah i think i think it's better than oh yeah triangle uh, uh, i love oh, both shame. but shame. yeah i love i mean i love all his work um, but that is my favorite of his. And I was laughing so hard. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not like this really loud person trying to make, I'm like, I just could not stop laughing. Cause I thought it was just mm. brilliant and masterful. And I could tell that like, there were other people in the theater that were just not, it just was kind of yeah. not there it was kind of over their head or whatever. It just wasn't their thing. Um, but it was nice to be almost like one of the few people in that theater that I can just react and not feel like, yeah. Oh, I'm in, t- because I don't want to react because I'm surrounded by people who might have a very different reaction to me. But here's my thing about Triangle sadness, which I, I also thought was amazing. I wish I had seen that film, not knowing anything about it. Meaning mm-hmm. if I saw that film, I can and not, and not seen all the clips from the trailer of like everyone vomiting. But, yeah. Or, I would have been like, i would have been like my jaw would be on the floor because i would not expect it but because i had i knew what was coming right i knew what was thing it almost uh it like it i don't say diminished but i think it like muted my reaction a little bit because i did i did love that movie and It's one, aside from tar is probably my second favorite film last year um but i didn't know what that th- i didn't know the third act which is why I think I love the third act so much once they were on really? the island. Really? That was my least, no, right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But also because I didn't know that's where it was going. I had no idea. So it was like the mystery or the unknown is what I was really interested in. I feel like had I seen that film, not knowing anything about it, it might be even my favorite of his. I don't know.
0: I had him on the pod and he said someone described him as Michael Haneke meets Larry David, which is perfect. The argument over the bill was spectacular. That was so real.
1: Wait, which scene was the argument over the bill?
0: At the beginning, when the when oh, the oh, girl's oh, telling the, Harris the couple, to the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the telling yeah. Harris to pay, and then going back and forth, and then they're having this and the lift closing while he's trying to argue. And yeah, it was almost like it was almost like a Woody Allen scene with a couple just taken to the absolute extreme. Yeah. this episode is brought to you by our friends at Mubi. Mubi is a creative streaming platform bringing you the best in cinema. I've been a Mubi subscriber for years and I love doing this. I'm gonna take you through three of my favorites from the Mubi UK platform. Here we go. I'm gonna dig in. Okay, no brainer. China Girl, 1987 by Abel Ferrara. This is Abel's version of Romeo and Juliet in New York, where an Italian guy falls in love with an Asian girl. Starcross lovers via Abel Ferrara in New York in the 80s. Amazing new wave soundtrack. And I'm pretty sure I've heard Abel say in interviews, this is his favorite movie he's made. Okay, number two, Force Magère. By the magnificent Ruben Osland, who has also been on the pod. So, alright, hear me out. The square is a masterpiece. I love Triangle of Sadness. This one... I know it's great but I need to revisit it because Ruben is one of those directors where the more movies you see of him the more you understand it and his style and what he's doing and this one I need to redo and we mentioned Ruben on today's interview so that's number two. Okay, you know I love an erotic thriller. And I'm picking Bounds from 1996 by Lily and Lana Wachowski. When I was in college, this was the most stylish, cool movie there was. I remember there's a scene where they like zoom out from the barrel of a gun and keep on zooming and zooming until they're at the back of a room and it's this huge shot. I think I tried for three weeks to recreate that shot with a VHS camera in my media class and everyone was so bored of me. But it's fun when you're young and you're trying to recreate those classic shots. Anyway, Bound: Two women fall in love, their neighbors, one of them's boyfriend is a mob boss and you know what they're trying to do. They're going to try and get the money and get away from the mob life. This was such a cool movie. It's a great noir. Check it out. Okay, those are mine free. Man, I want to keep going. Anyway, here's the good bit. You can watch all these movies and more for free. Just go to movie.com/deeper into movies for 30 days of movie for free watch for free I've recommended and dig in and browse there's always tons of amazing things to watch rewatch and discover What was the first music video made? How did you break into shooting videos?
1: So um, went to film school and I was living in New York and I was always like the film guy. I had a lot of friends who were musicians and artists and up coming bands and stuff like that. And I just started making stuff with my friends. I didn't even think they were videos. I was really just, um, I don't say documenting things, but I was like making like visual counterparts for their mm-hmm. music. You know, in fact, the, the first video I think I did was was for my friends uh in this band called Starred. Uh, and they were my two two of my best friends, and I started filming us and them. And um, I think the first real video I did was this video called Call from Paris. It was black and white. I was like, you know, director, cinematographer, AD. I was everything. It was just me and a camera, basically. Editor, everything. Um and uh I just started and then I just sort of spiraled in into a career of like making things for other friends. And then other musicians started taking notice and then they hired me to be to do their videos. And next thing you know, I'm a music video director. Really kind of just a series of doors opened and then I just walked through them.
0: How long was the journey? Were you getting budgets from the videos for the beginning or getting a fee or?
1: No, first I was just making stuff with friends. It was like, and then you know, you get like a five thousand dollar video, then a ten thousand dollar video, then like a thirty thousand dollar video. And then it was like it I started directing to uh music videos in two thousand eleven. And then, you know, 2014, I remember the things started to kind of take off in, in a way. Uh well, 2012 as well, but 2014 and working with all different, you know, bigger artists, like the weekend and stuff like that. And
0: how are you supporting yourself in between or were you just a full-time video director well no i w- i was making i was
1: i was shooting so i mean i remember 2013 14 i was shooting like 30 something things a year so um, i was you're making money but they're just smaller projects yeah. you know and then you and then you and then yeah things really took off in 2014 um where it, i it became you know it was just you know, things just kind of really opened up there. You know,
0: did you get an agent? where you rapped, or were you?
1: Yeah, I had different reps and stuff, and uh, throughout you know making music videos, and you get signed to different production companies. It's like it's like being a music video commercial director. It's like that yeah. kind of thing. But a, a lot of the videos I was getting were, you know, I was getting hit up directly from the artists themselves. Cool. And then becoming friends with them, and and then just you know. I've always approached making music videos very much like I approached those early those early things I did with my friends, which is just have a conversation, you just make stuff together, try and remove any of that, the middlemen, you know, whatever that process is, of labels, all that stuff, and just have conversations, and you get to make stuff together and have fun, and that's it, you
0: know? I was re-watching Everything is Embarrassing. Sky's so great in that, man. She's so, her performance, um, she's it- so magnetic, and it almost looks like a '80s Madonna video or something. Just kind of simple backdrops and setups, and but singing directly to camera, and just she's so magnetic and just really selling the out of it.
1: You want to know how that video happened? Yeah, please. So Sky and I were roommates at the time because right. we had worked together and we became really good friends, and um, we were living together in LA. And she, we already did a video for one of the other uh, songs on the album. And then one day she gets called from her label or someone, someone she worked with saying, hey, we're going to release this song as a single, um, uh, you know, Pitchfork is going to put it on their thing. Everyone loves it. This is going to be a, a, a thing like, well, we need to shoot a video and we need it. This is like a Tuesday afternoon and we need the video by Friday. And I was in the, we we're in our living room or kitchen, whatever we we're talking. And she's like, well, I'm here with Grant. Uh, we'll just shoot something. And we left. We went to the, we went to like a playground. We went to the rooftop of Capitol Records. Yeah. We just like, I just took my camera, zero budget, zero budget. We just shot at different locations around LA that same day. I cut it, I cut the video that night or, or maybe the next day and it was out 48 hours later. So, but I look back on that video so fondly because it's just a documentation of A, my friendship with Sky, who I obviously mm-hmm. love and adore, was like my sister, um, who I put in um, Reptile, which is also kind of a full circle moment because earlier on in my music video career, I was making stuff with her. And we've always had this amazing friendship. And then day one of Reptile, uh, the first scene we shot was a scene with her and Benicio at this dive bar. It was like 7 a.m., pouring rain. And like to start my feature film career with this person who I go so far back with, who's always been a supporter, who I've always just loved and had an amazing experience working with to have her be in that day one. Of Beautiful.
0: Yeah.
1: A really cool experience for, for both of us. Um, and then, you know, and then she's doing a scene with Benicio. It was just, it was fucking awesome. But uh, yeah, that's how that video came together was just like off the cuff and just making stuff with your friends. And I, I find that that's always, um, I think that those are the best ones.
0: Yeah. And I really like the, you're not the one we channeling like hunger vibes on that. I was trying
1: to totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was sick. It's funny. I get like, when you, when you mention these old videos, I mean, it's been so long since I've watched them or.
0: Yeah. I watched them when they first came out, but then going back, there's there's such a great vibe to those videos. And I, I, I completely forgot how magnetic Sky is to the camera when she's...
1: She has that. She has this real star quality that um, I think is very rare. And she is just like such a phenomenal, tremendous human being as a person. And um, I'm very happy for her and all the things that she's doing.
0: So how was it moving up to big videos like The Weeknd and working with major labels and like...
1: It was great. You know, it's like, listen, it's very, it's very surreal to be a music video director because there's very few, you know, like who, 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 who do things like who do those videos. And it's, it's, you just kind of feel grateful. Like, Oh man, I get to make music videos is my career. That's a pretty cool job. Um, It's a, it's the same thing that I did when I was doing smaller videos, just bigger budgets And I think more pressure. I do think like those first few weekend videos, like the Hills can't feel my face. I remember specifically can't feel my face actually, because um, I had done the Hills people like that video. Abel is the weekend's real name. And um, they had shot a video for can't feel my face, I believe. And for whatever reason, they wanted to shoot another one. And I knew this song had already come out. It was a huge hit. Like, I mean, Mm. like, America at least like it was the biggest song in years and I knew that if I were going to do this video like there'd be so much pressure right to like make that was as good or could live up to the to the song and we shot in one day it was like an incredibly ambitious schedule for that one day obviously there's practical fire there's all these different things there's extras and um and you know, I feel like I thrived off of the pressure. And Mm -hmm. I think that pressure is like, like, even with this movie, it's a similar feeling of like, fuck, this is big. Like I I have to really live up to it. You know, it's not like, it's different than just like, you know, shooting with like 10 people and you're just making stuff and it's a little bit loose. Like when there's so much pressure to succeed, not just for you, but for like, you know, there's just a lot of, um, preconceived ideas as to how good something should be um yeah I, I would say that's the biggest difference between doing the smaller things and the bigger things is just there's more pressure
0: yeah i was wondering for a music video if someone gives you an absolute banger like i can't feel my face how, how is it for you and your creative brain to come up with a video concept that kind of matches it or the synchronization of the sound and the vision and stuff or what do you do when you get like a writer's block on something like that like i know this song is sick but i can't fucking see the video or something
1: yeah i i think you're right you have to you have to conceive something that's gonna um feel like it's a a match for whatever thing at least with abel the weekend and i we um oftentimes there were the ideas were collaborations like he'd have the genesis of the idea and then I'd riff on that or vice versa or whatever camp in my face that was his concept he had that idea and then I kind of like riffed on that and then brought in Rick Wilder who's this character who I put in the hills but also in my he was in my R.L. Pink videos um and we kind of just it was a great collaboration where he'd come up with an idea and then you know, I bring things to it and vice versa. But that uh concept, um, the the the, the broad concept was his. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's my job really just to kind of execute it.
0: What was your toughest videos? Did any, any of them break you? Or
1: yeah, they did. <laughs> um, I did this video for Skrillex. Actually, maybe one of my favorite videos I've ever done. It's with Anya Taylor Joy. It's um called Red Lips. And it was the same year as I did, uh, you know, a a couple of those weekend videos. It was like 2015, I think. And it was just a massive undertaking, Mm -hmm. visual effects, practical stuff. It was just, it was such art department, like just the amount of, just trying to do something that was very ambitious. And it's not that it broke me in a bad way. Like my soul was broken more. Just like, you know, those were just such ambitious videos. Um, and I think at the time making music videos was my life. It was mm-hmm. my day. It was how I viewed myself. It was, it was, um, I really wanted to, to be great at it. And that was just, there was just so much going on with that one and the pressure we had a lot, we got a lot of money from, you know, some company, whatever that paid for the video. And, you know, you start to feel like, you know, especially if this is someone else's money, I really got to like, I got to deliver. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like, like the the more money for some reason, at least at the time, I felt like there was more pressure to deliver because you don't want to let other people down. And what were your favorite videos? Growing up? Yeah, music videos. Well, I love Mark Romantic. Like I love Perfect Drug, you know, I love uh, Chris Cunningham's work. He's a a good friend of mine. Um, No way.
0: I saw him when he was in... London. I, I was a runner in the editing house that he used to edit in.
1: Oh, cool, man.
0: And, and and I'd be so fucking awkward, and he'd be editing, and I'd loiter, and I'm like, hey, do you need tea? Water? Fuck, that looks sick. Do you need anything? And just, like, just, because I'd be so fascinated in his process, and he'd edit in the attic, which is really cool. There's uh-huh. various rooms, and he'd always go to his really dark attic, and I'd be, like, uh-huh. just awkwardly popping in and seeing what he's but the last one I saw I when I snuck into the editing, it was the that crazy square pusher alien autopsy video. I don't know if you've ever seen that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. That... He's he's the best. I, I love his stuff. And he's just also an amazing guy. Um I love David Fincher's uh videos. Like I love Freedom 90. I love
0: That's the slickest. That kind of almost like that flash dance kind of Simpson brockheimer kind of aesthetic going on, but just done at Fincher Perfection level.
1: Yeah. I mean, who, yeah, what, what other videos do you like?
0: Um, Protection, the Michelle Gondry Massive Attack video. I find mm-hmm. that really almost sad and haunt that when, when he's going into the different rooms of the uh, block of flats. Yeah. And just kind of dropping in all these different lives. I find it really moving. Um, Chris Cunningham's come on my selector is just the editing and that is just ridiculous. I really like the Vincent Gallo video he made with Paris Hilton, where she's on a rotating table. I think it's uh-huh. just literally one shot of her rotating, di- different shots of just her rotating on this table. It's almost, it's almost like a pogo dancing kind of thing, and she's just rotating. and He shot it in like sixteen mil. That's really nice. And um, Springsteen dancing in the dark. I really, like. I love the Palmer. I think it's Me really too. funny. Funny that he made that video. Well, he ma- he made body double which offended everyone so much his agent was like let's do something that you can't offend people with (laughs) let me just give you a fucking Springsteen video no fucking voyeurism no fucking pervy shit just a fucking hit so he did that which I really like but it's funny because I remember I was listening to Gavin Rossdale on an interview and he was looking back at the MTV days and just said it was fucking insane that the music the company would give you half a million for a music video you give it to mtv and just hope they're gonna play it there's there, there was no contracts or guarantees wow and he was just saying it was just like make it and hope it gets airplay you know and hope they don't dump it on mtv2 at 3 a.m and things like that which is just un- unheard of today you'd be like when is it dropping when are we getting the premiere what 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 are we guaranteed but just a pre different pre-internet era where it was just like make it hope for the best hope it gets airtime hope it gains traction and things like that which was pretty crazy But i think label
1: labels were that was like probably before streaming so labels were making so much money through record sales that they could of course yeah you know and also um by the way, there's this another video I love, which is Soundgarden Black Hole Sun. I remember seeing that as a kid, you know, with all the their faces. Yeah, but
0: yeah, great, great CGI in that video.
1: Really, really cool up. video. I remember as a kid, I was born in um, Northridge in the Valley, and um, I'll never forget being in my in our garage and watching the Warrant Cherry Pie video, and just seeing that like really caustic white and red, and those like colors and the lighting, and being so like. Affected. I mean, I, I'm 38. I just turned 38. I'm the generation of music videos and MTV. Like I grew up watching all those stuff and, and, you know, like all, all, all those videos were like, they were almost my movies, you know, when you were before you even really yeah. got into, it like music videos were, 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 were totally shaped my imagination and how I saw the world and, um, I remember being like 13 or 12 or however old and just needed to go to Woodstock 99. I had to go. <laughs> like also, by the way, I also loved corn when I was like that age. What was that sick video?
0: Um,
1: Freak on a leash. Got the yeah,
0: life. Yeah. Freak, the, the animation bullet. one. Yeah. The, the Scott McFarlane. Oh, the one, animation.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: That was awesome.
1: Was great. I mean, that's, that was like, you know, I was probably 12 or 13, you know, it's like, they were the coolest thing, you know, in in music at the time. What did they call that genre of rock? I can't remember. Metal? Oh, was like, new metal? metal? Yeah. What's it? Yeah, but um, yeah. There's all these all these videos that I think it's kind of funny that I became a music video director because I never thought I would. You know, that was never something I envisioned. But kind of, I guess, serendipitous. You know.
0: Let's move on to reptile, but I gotta start this cast is fucking insane. You've got so many goats. It's funny because I I I always say that I tell this story about Robert Rodriguez. Someone said to him when he was shooting Machete, they were like, what drew you to it? And he said, I had a new camera and Danny Trejo has a high definition face and I've got this super sharp camera. And so anytime I see those amazing character actors, like I always say, like Harry Dean Stan and all Shelley Devon, I'm like, that's a fucking high definition face. And when I saw your movie, I was like, so many fucking high definition faces in this movie. <laughs> like Boghossian, Benicio. It was yeah. so great. Dominic, yeah. all those real Love character that. actors.
1: Yeah. No, great faces for sure. Yeah. How did this come about? So Ben and I wrote this script um, in 2018 um, wanted to make a film that evoked this feeling of being deceived. That was a sort of contemporary noir, but was also playful and warm, and hopefully unpredictable. And um, we set up with our producers uh, at Black Label, Molly Smith, Trent, and Dad Luckenbill, and, and they had worked with Benicio and Sicario. And so we had him in mind for the lead. Gave him the script. Uh, he responded to it. Wanted to meet with me. We had this like hilarious, very uh, fun and like rapid fire question meeting where like he's asking me a million questions and I'm answering them. And it was very much like less even about maybe this like what we we're talking about the movie, but him pro- try probably trying to gauge like who I am, you know. And when you're an actor in a movie, it's like the director is you're so reliant on a director, right, mm-hmm. to make sure you're in good hands. So I think that. That was the meeting where he was trying to get a feel for me, I'm assuming, um, looking back in hindsight. And he was there with his managers and uh agent. And um, and then a week or two later, we started working on the script and he's like, All right, let's meet. And we started developing the project. And um, you know, once Benicio's involved in the movie, you get, I think, you know, people start to take you more seriously, other sure. actors, yeah. Also right? you know, in terms of the cast, like I know we cast Justin shortly thereafter. I had worked with him. I directed his performance for the Biden inauguration, and we um, we really got along very well. And just he's an amazing guy, super talented and thoughtful. And and then we just started casting the movie. Michael Pitt, obviously another goat in my opinion, for sure. I miss that guy.
0: How's he doing?
1: He's great. He's great. It was one. You know, I grew. I'm so I'm. I think I mentioned him 38. At the time, like when Michael Pitt was in his heyday, right, like Last Days, The Dreamers, Funny Games, um, uh, that was like when I was just coming out, like in film school. I yeah. remember actually writing like a ten-page paper on Mike Michael Pitt falling on bended knee to Boy Men's on bended knee during in Last Days. Like I was, like, I love those movies. Yeah. I love doing. So that's very much my generation so very surreal to get to work with him and then also have him opposite Justin Timberlake in these scenes is so like mind-blowing uh to me because they're so different but brilliant in different ways and to have them sort of share these scenes is is just really special but um yeah got to work with really cool people uh Alicia obviously and um Otto and just phenomenal actors.
0: My only issue of your movies, you didn't have Alicia and Sky doing scenes together. That would have been just an iconic cinematic universe collide, which is like clueless and. Maybe the next one. Yeah. yeah. Just give them their own two hander or something.
1: Yeah. No, they, they were great. And honestly, like the way I work is um, I'm very articulate with the actors what my vision is. So, like, it's <laughs> not like I, I don't like conceal anything and let them kind of find their way. I like. I, 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 I speak at length about what, like the, like what the intent of a scene is or Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to evoke with this, with this specific moment, you know, what, what is the feeling? Like I even might even play them a piece of music to get them in the feeling of like what I'm trying to, you know, uh, capture and, um, and what ended up happening throughout that process was that like, we became close myself and the actors and, uh, I feel like through that, there was like a, a friendship and a playfulness and a joy to be with on set. And I I do feel like that enhanced probably the final product because it was a really, I mean, the film can be quite tense and maybe unsettling or unnerving in, in, in moments, but like the experience of making it could not have been more different. It was like this very jovial, lighthearted, fun, hilarious set.
0: and. Oh, I gotta tell you. On speaking to Michael Pitt, I, I, I need to share a story. So, Michael Pitt, I, I just interviewed Louis Garrel from The Dreamers, and we were talking. I was talking about The Dreamers, and I was saying one of my favorite movies. And I started off the interview like a reviewer, I said, "What did you grow up watching?" And obviously, Louis Gorel's from this great European art house lineage, and his dad's a famous legendary director. His dad used to date Nico, and all stuff. And he's like, "Well, I grew up watching um." he's like i tell you what my favorite was what's the movie where the chef is on the boat and the terrorists and i was like under siege he's like under siege i fucking loved under siege and he was just riffing about his love of seagal and i was i was waiting to go to you know oh when i first saw godar it's a paris <laughs> new wave and he was just riffing so hard on seagal and i was like and i came away and i was like this is the fucking best interview ever louis gerald talking, talking about stephen seagal and i said to the publicist afterwards because look when you do the big junkets they'll often record for you like they won't let you have the audio in case you say something fucking crazy like you're pro trump or something and they don't want yeah you. yeah so yeah. they'll give you the file afterwards once you're cleared and i was like oh that was wonderful what a funny interview and i said send over the file and she was like i didn't record and i was like you're fucking kidding me and she's like, yeah, no, I just didn't click the button. I'm sorry. And I so the that that interview is completely lost. So no one will ever know of uh Louis well, Gorel. At,
1: at least you can uh salvage some of it by putting it on this one.
0: Yeah, this is it. You know, listeners excuse the bad French accent, but that that story had to go, had to be documented somehow. Yeah. That was just so good.
1: Yeah. I, but what's well, so great like, with I, I love it when people are honest about their influences obviously we all have and like of course everyone loves bergman and whoever and brisson whatever but like like i love like i remember that movie howard the duck like blew my mind when i saw it or that movie creepy Toys, like, movie
0: yeah yeah howard oh, duck is so creepy, creepy movies of <laughs> yeah. art, like
1: and it's like it's okay to have influences that are also kind of like just of the moment whenever you were like by the way beetlejuice to this day is one of my favorite movies mind-blowing film and like obviously Eraserhead is another like huge movie for me, but like, I think Beetlejuice is a masterpiece. And I, I, there's not, that's not like a, that's not like a, to me, a guilty pleasure. There's nothing. Shameful no, I, I don't
0: believe in guilty pleasures. No, yeah,
1: no, I know, no, no, I know. But like, I was just thinking like it, I like it when people are very honest about their influences and not feeling like they have to it flex
0: with like, yeah, not flex, flex, like, like yeah. just show how
1: film literate you are. Like I love Carlos Regatas, but I also love like, you know other filmmakers as well that like may not make it as like i don't want to say artful because that's not the right word but like um pre- you know a certain type of prestige cinema right yeah but um and 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 what's so great about movies is that there is different like you like you by the way you love harold budd i love harold budd but like if you only had to listen to harold budd every minute of your life for four years you'd be like ambient yeah. out You'd yeah. be like, I need to listen to some pop music. I need For to sure. like feel good. I need to like feel something propulsive and light. So I think the variety of film is what's so important. You need to have different voices, you need to have different types of movies to keep that balance and make film exciting.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen that amazing Lou Reed interview where the interviewer is trying to be thinks it's the right vibe to be really kind of snarky and cunty yeah. with, yeah. with Lou Reed? And he's like and lou lou said something like i haven't seen any good art recently and this guy said huh, yeah i know it's all police police academy movies and lou, lou was like me and john Kelsey, police academy it was great we needed that on a tuesday afternoon and it was just so yeah. great it's like yeah that shit's got its place and Absolutely. every good director totally fucks with mainstream genre stuff almost every uh maybe not unless you're like really austere cold-ass Michael Haneke stuff, but most great directors know that, uh, you know... But even,
1: like, again, I'm not speaking for Michael Hanukkah, but, like, what Michael Mann does, right? Like, what he does. Yeah. And, like, making a movie like Heat, which I think is just the most tremendous, like, mind-blowing, astounding. Agreed. Yeah. So, those types of movies are so hard to make. And I'm not saying making, like, you know, uh... A very austere thriller is easier, right? No. Or like a or austere drama, like you know, restrained film is. But I would say, I think the Beatles said this, or someone said this, that writing like a really great pop song is much harder.
0: Absolutely, it's so fucking hard. Yeah,
1: I think that, like, like even like Jonathan Demi did with *Sound the Lambs*, also one of my favorite American directors, who, who I don't think gets the credit nearly that he deserves. And Sidney Lumet, same thing. No, Sidney Lumet does get credit, but still, like, that career. I mean, to make ha- – to have so many of, in my opinion, the greatest movies of all time um, that are all so different than one another. But I think that to do that, like, to make a movie like Network, to make a movie like Dog Day, um, to make a movie like Silence of the Lambs and all these other movies, those are so hard to make. Those are just so hard because you're you're firing on all cylinders. yeah. And you're making things. And by the way, that's why I love Hitchcock. And that's why I love Fincher is like they make movies that pretentious assholes can love. But also, like, if you're like a 10 year old in Iowa, you still love them. And to make something that that is compelling for all walks of life is is just it's so impressive. You know, how do you feel
0: about Miami Vice? We were literally me and my friend were just talking about it. Oh, he was just saying
1: the, the, the show or the movie,
0: the movie, the, the Michael Mann movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah i think it's great yeah i think it's such a And i actually think it came out so I, I need to oh you should go um, back it's great he yeah, literally yeah.
0: it starts off like he's just cut off the first 15 minutes of the movie and just drops you in midway me and my friends um we talking about that weird mini dv era almost the, the dv era of michael mann with carol oh, yeah. and yeah.
1: miami vice or 2006 and like that yeah
0: yeah where it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it almost looks like tv movie slash but it's got a weird grain to it there's just that weird middle middle world before we went fully hd yeah and it's just got such a weird vibe and aesthetic and look to it which i think is just so incredible
1: like tony scott did stuff um at that time what was that movie he did um domino the Domino, yeah. Like whenever I think of that era, I think of like the way that film looks. You know the movie I just rewatched was Manhunter, which is fucking so
0: obsessed good. with Manhunter.
1: And it's like that movie. There's such the soundtrack
0: is so sick.
1: Oh, and it's the, incredible. Well, like, speaking of soundtracks, I just rewatched Risky Business. Also, that's my favorite.
0: That that's my favorite yeah. soundtrack. Loving the Real Train is the best yeah. needle yeah. drop in a film ever.
1: And then and then bomb back used it in Squid and the Whale. Remember yeah. That?
0: Yeah, 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 with my buddy, with my buddy Owen Klein jerking off in <laughs> the library. Really, really, yeah. Really, yeah. Risky's so weird because it's just literally a guy calling a hooker and getting involved in a crime. It, it's almost, it's such a weird. It's a, it's a great take on the kind of almost Ferris Bueller. Where I'm kind of home alone for a weekend. Kind of, yeah. That rep vibe.
1: And it's also like to me that movie is so artful. It's so yeah. well made almost has like an Altman-esque feel to it. It feels like a dream. There are certain things yeah. that it's like a dream. Um, and it's such a, some, It like, it has this nostalgic feeling for me. Like, when I watch it, it, it evokes an Americana that is very hard to articulate. Um, but it's like, it feels like a dream. And that movie's so good. Was that, I think that was that director's first film, if I remember correctly. I think it was.
0: Yeah, I, I think that was when David Geffen just being the mogul was like, I'm going to get into the film business now. And there's a really great bit in the commentary with Tom Cruise talking about his love of Tangerine Dream, which is really, I, it, it's surreal to imagine Tom Cruise is listening to music, period, let alone when he's like, it's so ethereal. It's so yeah. ethereal. But he's right, but it's just funny. him. And, and also it's fucking crazy for that style of music to be used in a movie, wasn't it? I think Freakin found them first for Sorcerer right it's even while booking those type of guys to do your score you know it seems like a completely different time that you could get someone like that on board yeah
1: no for sure
0: i want to ask about reptile where the hell yep. is this set the decor and the, the city is so fascinating it's like not deep south. it doesn't feel like a small town deep south it's a little bit it's almost like between the south and like middle america middle america suburbia is such a interesting choice all your living rooms all your design all your couches are so particular that it's such a yeah what is this place?
1: So particular, but nowhere. Well, the funny thing is we the film is actually if if if, if someone watches it, they'll they'll realize, or not someone watch, if if someone pays close attention, we never say what state we're in. Right. We talk, it needs to come coming from Philly, but it just says Scarborough. But right. there's no mention of any state. And the reason why we did that was because I wanted it to feel like I didn't want to feel like the story um was like location specific that it like that this kind of story would exist in the northeast or the south or the northwest it's like it's just americana it's just nowhere it's it could be anywhere it's just the idea that like he came from a big city yeah uh like Philadelphia, and he went back to this place where his wife's uncle sort of took him in right to to bring them to give them a second chance right with his job um so uh it's just americana you know, it just, it's, it's, it's anywhere America.
0: Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it, it was great. Cause it wasn't specifically that kind of cliche of cop in a small town. It still kind of felt like a, a city, a city, but it's yeah, a smaller big, city. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting spin on that.
1: We shot in Georgia and just, you know, in Atlanta and outside of Atlanta, which I fucking loved by the way. And I would, I would happily shoot there over and over again. Great people, great crew. Um, really funny story, story about shooting in atlanta so i'm from la lived, i've only the only two cities i've really lived in are la new york two coastal cities with assholes right and uh i i love so i love to go on walks so after work or even when we we're in pre-production i'd like leave work for the day get home late at night at like 11 o'clock i go on a walk and sometimes a little bit earlier but maybe as the sun was going down but usually late and i'm on a walk and all of a sudden like on my first walk i notice um everyone is like smiling at me and saying hello and at first i'm like do i have something on my face why the <laughs> fuck is everyone smiling at me and i slowly realized it's like no that's just people in georgia they just when you walk by someone you say hello and you smile yeah. and i was like they're so fucking friendly and i'm like my whole life you know you just avoid eye contact you don't like imagine if you're walking around new york and you said hello every time you walk by someone they think you are mentally ill yeah you know but in that part of the country there's just this affable friendliness that i love and i was like oh my god there's just there's a quality to the people that i really um i really enjoyed um but yes going back to the to to the uh to the location it, yeah it could be in anywhere sort of mid-sized city americana
0: and how is it for you working on obviously you've worked on so many projects but feature length how, how how is the shift for you how is it stepping into the directing role for a narrative feature
1: i mean in all honesty it was it's so it was so it was such a huge leap yeah it's you know, like oh talking about oh you music video career like how does that translate to making movies it's like the equivalent of like playing basketball in the backyard with your family you know to getting drafted in the nba and you're playing with in front of you know a packed house and it's the stakes are so great. I mean, there is nothing to, to prepare you, I think for making a movie, you just got to throw yourself in and do it and, and (laughs) hope for the best Um, and, you know, stick to your vision and, and, but how was that transition? I mean, it was, it was like getting dropped, you know, getting dropped in the ocean, you know, and what was your toughest scene scene? I don't think there's a toughest scene. I think to me it's like it's just the consecutive days. It's it's yeah. the like, you know, my cinematographer Mike Giolakis and I really wanted to um I remember like obviously you've seen the film. Mm-hmm. I, I I I I like a very mechanical, razor-sharp, um, precise lens filming the action. And I like there to be a, a real tightrope connection between the blocking of an actor and the camera filming him. And I uh wanted to shot list the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was very important. I was like, I want this to be, you know, it was incredibly composed. I want to really feel like prepared so that I on the day if I wanted to change something, I could. We end up just shot listing the first week because we were so like catching our breath and was just so much happening all at once. And after that first week, we're like, fuck it, we're just gonna wing it. And uh it's just there's like no time to think like every hour you're making 250 decisions right and you just have to commit to whatever it is you're Mm -hmm. seeing and and so it's like when you ask like what's the hardest scene it's not it's just like a series of like overwhelming moments and decisions that you have to make and like not feeling like you've even like completely processed what it is you have to do like later the afternoon and it's just just the, the the mental strength that you have to have to keep all the balls in the air right mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily one scene it's just like the weight of everything mm-hmm. i would say
0: and it was great seeing a softer benicio than i think i've seen before which is re- 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 really nice to see less intense loving taps and faucets in this movie yeah. it, was, it was really nice playing playing he oh I, it was great when he brings that back dark menace when he's bring telling the guy at the dance to hands off his wife but for the yeah. most part, it was great just seeing a softer, quieter side of him.
1: Yeah, and the fact that he has all these facets to his personality—I don't think we're used to seeing him with a love interest. Like, yeah, in his movies. Like, I can't remember the last time he had a love interest. Um, and yeah, it's a, it was—it's certainly like a sweeter, um, but certainly not less strong. I just yeah, you, you its different shades to his character that I think he, you know inhabited beautifully
0: and how's this script rang process between it's three of you guys right
1: yeah so ben and i wrote the script um
0: and how's that rang with him has he wrote scripts before am i yeah yeah he's
1: yeah yeah he has great writer um great director he also um came oh from sorry Music i meant Media. benicio, oh, sorry, benicio. sorry oh sorry um i'm sure benicio has um Written stuff, absolutely. Um, I think this might, I, I again don't quote me on it because I'm not sure. This might be his first uh credit as a screenwriter, yeah. But uh, no doubt he's written stuff before for sure, and I'm sure with other directors as well.
0: Sorry, is Ben is it Ben Miller? Was your other
1: oh, Ben Brewer, yeah. Brewer,
0: sorry, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, how was it? Three um, of you guys in the mix, great, it was really great. So, Ben and I wrote the um, you know, the first drafts. And then, um, once Benicio came on board, um, we, the script kind of just like, you know, evolved and it was, it was a great process. And, um, and Benicio is, uh, you know, just like for me, it's a real, like for your first movie to get an actor like that Mm -hmm. is is a real dream come true. And, um, he brought a lot of like, you know, like depth to the work and, um, he's also incredibly passionate. As an actor and as a person, and I really, I'm very passionate and enthusiastic, and I respond to that, you know, in collaborators for sure.
0: And how is it with Eric Bogosian?
1: That's a that's a
0: goat right there. Funny,
1: Um, funny man. He is fucking funny. He cracks me up. By the way, all the actors have great sense of. By the way, the funny thing is like the movie. (laughs) The movie is set anywhere, but all of our actors are from New York. Like, yeah, all the. His New York accents like Dominic Lombardozzi, J.C. Capone, Eric. I I think Otto's from New York. We end up casting all these New York actors to play characters who are not from New York. But uh, they're all great. They were all Eric. Eric is amazing. Really smart, brilliant guy. Also a writer. um, Just such a seasoned actor. And, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, you come and you tell him. Great. He's got it. Moving on. Yeah, I'm
0: kind of obsessive talk radio that was he's incredible so good
1: he's got also eric is the you should have him on because he's got the king of stories and he'll like tell you a story and 10 minutes later they're like all right lunch is over and you're like but he's halfway through he just he's he's a great storyteller
0: i've got him on audio cd reading um hollywood animal i'm blanking on the, the guy who wrote basic instinct and showgirls and uh-huh. joel uh, Estherhouse. house huh yeah 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 and but it's eric, it's eric re- reading so i've got these Filthy salacious stories of like 80s coke fueled Hollywood with oh Eric Vogosi no. reading through it. It's such a vibe. I'm
1: yeah. Currently trying That's-
0: to put it onto my iPhone just so I can walk around with that in my head all day. And I gotta say, the fucking creepiest scene I've seen in years, man. No spoilers, when JT is doing the house viewing.
1: Yeah. So fucking
0: so, so sinister.
1: So B- that big kind
0: of Manson family kind of vibes right there. Yeah. Chilling. So
1: that sequence is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Um, I had a fight for that because, you know, there are scenes in the movie that like, yeah, if you just extracted, you could still tell the story, like you, the story would still be told. Um, but that gives to me, that's an indictment on um, our fascination in true crime. Right. Yeah. And this idea of raging trauma and like the the anyway there's all these i, I i'm not i don't want to get overly cerebral right now and intellectual talking about the movie cuz i just want to like you know let the viewers watch it and hopefully come up to their own conclusions and have their own subjective experience watching the film but that is certainly like both um narratively one of my favorite sequences and also just in terms of its commentary on how we as a culture process and uh um yeah, just process true crime and our our obsession with it and and whatever. So uh, that we shot that sequence obviously just in one day, and I'll never forget shot that. It was one of those days on set where everything was just like firing on all cylinders, mm. and I just knew we got it. And remember yeah. leaving. With the the biggest grin on my face, we probably like we that was probably the first or second week of shooting. I think the second week of shooting. And I just had um, I remember uh, uh, leaving set, walking to the car, just smiling ear to ear, Mm. being like, we did it like whatever it was, whatever I wanted to do. I just fucking nailed it. And that's what I you know, it's like those are those scenes where you're just proud because like, okay, that was my vision. And I got it right. It's Not you don't always like. Oh, you're like. Oh, I could have yeah. done this better. Do this. It's like no. That was one of the days where like, whatever I was intending to do, I did it there. So I'm I'm happy that you like that sequence because I love. it. Oh I love yeah, that. it was so great
0: when you're not quite sure what the fuck they're doing, and then yet yeah, the best. Thank you. That and um, just because we spoke about Michael Mann, there's a fucking amazing shot of Benicio in. Is he? He's like in silhouette. I think is he by the sky? Oh, yeah, over? yeah. Oh, yeah, that's he's, such um, a shot.
1: The lake thank yes. you yeah yeah that's um it's a beautiful shot uh yeah so yeah, yeah that's kind of
0: giving bad. me william P- peterson by the beach and manhunter kind of vibe yeah so it's like, that's, a you, that's a fucking shot right there
1: compliment. that's a huge compliment thank you yeah listen you know when you make movies you just gotta like i'll be honest like i felt like I, I think i put so much pressure on myself in this one my first one you got to come out of the gate swinging in like there was so much yeah. i wanted to do but now I do. I will say I feel freer. With like my next one, I'm I'm going to approach it. I think a little bit differently, um, and I think per- perhaps be more wild and allow myself to to experiment and try things that maybe I was, you know, too rigid and with this one at least in my you know approach and directing. So um, I appreciate the the night, you know, the compliments.
0: No, this is great because I came in and for. I'd read the synopsis. I was like, all right, we got a psychological thriller. I love a fucking psychological crime thriller. But it's got so deep and complicated. It completely, initially, I think, right, it's the, it's the investigation and the way it expands, and you're going to get that kind of cold 70s feel, with which I always love when it's like complicated, flawed characters. And yeah. there's no real anti heroes and things like that. And it just gets like deeper and darker, almost like a James Elroy kind of cold noir where you don't know who the fuck to trust and it just got deeper and heavier. It was really very ambitious, which I really I was so stoked.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, I I you know the film sort of presents itself in the beginning as like a sort of investigative thriller, film yeah. noir. Um and then something happens halfway and then it really kind of becomes another movie. You you enter this character's head in this inner world and It gets very paranoid and um complicated and perhaps emotional and and you don't know where it's going and i mean the movie's called reptile because first of all the the path of the film is not a straight line but Mm. also because characters introduced as one thing and revealed to be something else and there's a shedding of skin that occurs and i um you know you just you gotta make things that you believe in you put out in the world and then it's all you can do Finally, what did you shoot on?
0: Had a great grain to it. What was the film yeah, stock?
1: We, we shot Alexa, older lenses, and we. So there's this process called film box that we used. I wanted to shoot on 35. Unfortunately, we, for various reasons, we couldn't. Um, um, but our colorist Michael Hatzler, who's amazing, who's Spielberg's guy, he also did No Country for Old Men. He's just su- such a brilliant, um, amazing guy. Uh, he and our our um, cinematographer mike gilakis came up with this process called film box where you put this you shoot the the, the footage and you like it, it's treated on, through daily it's not the end of the process like literally mm-hmm. every single way where it adds the like some of the warmth and some of that sort of tactile quality that you get from um from film um and it we we uh i think we might be the first movie ever to have done this process really Um, crazy don't quote me don't quote me on that i could i could i could be wrong but i remember um mike and well mike and mike mike and michael hesser saying that this is a new sort of um technique new uh technology and it made um it makes the the footage look less digital and it gives it that warmer timelessness that 70s sort of thickness mm-hmm. that had a painterly quality that I was certainly looking for. And it ended up being, um, you know, maybe not 35, but, you know, it was a, a good substitute.
0: And what's next? Another feature? You Do you think you're over music videos or you are you always going to juggle the two?
1: Um, you know, maybe I'll juggle the two. I don't, uh, I'll, I'll just see what happens, what comes my way. But yeah, you're going to make movies, so... That's the goal, just to keep making movies and you know see what happens. But yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, listen, I'd love to make a music video if someone came up, you know, approached me and I was into it. And but it's not something that I'm like seeking out.
0: Who's your dream artist? Do you have any oh, secret wishes point. of people you want
1: to do a video artist, for? Honestly, probably Neil Young, like someone like that, or you know, The Stones, and you know, maybe someone who might not be a you know a younger quote-unquote, hip artist, but, you know, or, like, I love Bruce Springsteen. I mean, like, you know, maybe making music videos for one of my heroes, for sure.
0: Yeah. I made a fan video for Broken Social Scene. Oh, cool. In in my 20s. And I fucking sent it to them. I gave it to the manager. I sent it to the studio because I have no boundaries. And (laughs) I I never heard back. I was so sad. (laughs) But I gave it to, I emailed, someone put me in contact with Kevin Drew. And I was like, all right, fuck it. 15 years ago i made a video for you i never heard back so here's the vimeo link from here and he he said he really liked it but it was i was trying to i was trying to mirror like dirty boots that was my dream as a i as a teenager of like going to a gig and meeting a hot girl and hooking up so i kind (laughs) of did my version of that and condensed my 20s into a music video which i i haven't had the balls to watch it back i found it on my oh, i'd love so. to see
1: it send it over i want to check oh it my out God.
0: all right okay okay fine um yeah I'm gonna it. yeah so i i did that but then i just got into programming. well no then i used to do films for my friends my friends were like in a shoegaze band so i used to do live i used to make visuals for their live shows and stuff and then but now i've officially retired one video Okay. and that's it well maybe okay. one day
1: again you never know see what ha- see what life throws at you
0: We want to do a, we've got this idea of doing a Criterion Closet style, Criterion Closet meets What's in My Bag, where we should go to directors' houses and browse a collection. But similar to what you were saying about not, we went into Criterion Closet, you're obviously like, ah, Bella Taz, six hours, vibe. But when I go go to your house, I'd be like, you know, Buffy the Vampire box set, cool. You know, next to, Uh, you know. Nashville or something like that. So that's the. That's awesome. That's, that's cool.
1: You guys should do that. That'll be really fun.
0: Yeah, just real deep geeky shit is yeah. the way forward. This has been so fun talking to you, man. We've got. Yeah, thank you so much.
1: This was really fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Cool. And what what do you? want? Are you on Spotify or
1: Apple? I'm on uh, Spotify.
0: Okay, I, I, I'm gonna Gave and Geeky. I want to send you a couple few ambient jams that I think will be.
1: Oh yeah, new, yeah. Please. I'll some stuff too. we'll go back. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day.
0: You too. Take care. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks. Bye. boom that was me and grant singer such a nice guy i had such fun talking to him that's it from me thanks for listening thanks to joshua eustace for our beautiful music and quick favor before i go if you enjoy the pod like and subscribe i keep being told the more likes we get the more subscribes the higher the pod will go in the search engine And the bigger the pod, the cooler and bigger the guests we will get. And I always want to keep the pod free. No paywalls, no Patreon. So if you enjoy it, push that button and take us to the next level. Okay, I will speak soon. Bye.